0: Hey, everybody, Ian here. We are very, very excited to be not only reintroducing the Steve's Pick segment, but also introducing it for the first time in its standalone format, and we really appreciate everybody checking out. Thank you to our guest, Steve Gleason, for making it something special, as always, and we look forward to doing many more of these in the future. After the Steve Pick segment, if you could please stay tuned for the rest of the episode. We have a very special segment at the end featuring Mr. Seth Miller, our good friend, introducing his brothers from another mother of a feather project that we're all very excited about so please make sure you stay tuned after steve's picks to hear a little details and information on that thanks everybody welcome
1: to state of America's steve's picks with special guest steve gleason
0: All right, everybody, very exciting day here for the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me is Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Couldn't be better, Ian. How about yourself? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. We are reviving the Steve's Picks series with Mr. Steve Gleason. I'm very excited about this. It's going to be its own standalone venture. And uh, joining us is the the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Steve Gleason. Steve, how are you doing, man?
2: Gentlemen, how are you? It's been a
0: while, but we're going to get this going. And actually, the first show that we're going to handle, we're doing in honor of the fact that it is the 25th anniversary of the Black Crows performing on the Further Festival. They did that in the summer of 97. So I, uh, I politely requested you pick a, a nice show from that tour. And you selected the July 13th show at Pine Knob in Clarkston, Michigan, the greater Detroit area, Eddie Harsh's hometown. What made you pick this show? When I first looked at the set list on this one, I said, ah, this is kind of kind of an odd pick, kind of an odd set list, to be honest with you. But l- listening to it is a completely different experience. So what is it that made you pick this show?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, with the Further Festival, you get the shortened set, so it's kind of a little bit of a different experience. And I feel like... You have four major epicenters in the in the U.S. of crows activity. You have Chicago, you've got New York, you've got Boston, and I think Detroit is the fourth one. Now I'll give you Toronto as well as, as a, a big hub. Now on this tour, the further, they weren't well received at all. And you can hear that on a lot of the tapes, in my opinion. Uh, even the, the two I went to up in the northeast um, at Agawam and at Great Woods, the uh, crowd didn't love those shows, but this is the show, I think, of all the shows. One, it's the, the most rock and roll of any of the shows. It's the biggest rock show out of all of them. Uh, and two, the crowd seems really into it, as they always are in Detroit. Every tape from Detroit sounds awesome, in my in my opinion. But this particular one from this tour, they sound into it. Uh, not only the the crowd, but the band. So that's why I selected this. This also has a a top ten all time my morning song. Oh,
0: this that... one makes your top ten.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: You're absolutely right about the
2: crowd, though. I noticed that when I was listening to it
0: because I've you know I've heard uh, stories of uh, audiences on the further festival, you know, sitting there with fingers in their ears because the Black girls are too loud or this and that. So it was surprising to hear the audience react to them so well.
3: Oh, on one of the boots, Chris goes. Hey, all you people out there with your fingers in ears, Jimi Hendrix played very loud.
2: <laughs> That's yeah, to California at the end of the tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, I'm a huge Dead fan, and I can tell you the most fickle bunch of fans on God's green earth are Dead fans. They only like <laughs> the Dead. It's that simple, or anything that has to do with the Dead. They're still shitting on John Mayer at this point. And John Mayer is absolutely destroying the, the Dead & Company stuff. I know the tempo's slow. Okay. That said, Mayer's killing it on that. And, you know, lots of Dead fans think he blows, which is amazing to me. They're a fickle bunch. They should love the Black Rose, and they don't. If you remember uh, when Chris Robinson toured with Phil Lesh on the Phil & Friends, uh, I think it was 05, all of those message boards were like, oh, rock star Robinson. <laughs> As if... As if the, the dead weren't rock stars. I think it's hilarious. You know, it's the best that band has ever sounded vocally by far. I mean, you know, usually it's Phil singing. And it's like, you know, if you've been to enough shows where Phil sings, you really don't want Phil singing at all. He's terrible. <laughs> terrible singer. Great bass player. Terrible singer.
0: Do you know any of the background as to how the Black Crows ended up doing the Further Festival?
2: I assume it comes off them opening in April of 95 for the dead somehow out of mm-hmm. that. That's my guess, but I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe at some point, you know, the year, two years prior, they have the biggest horde festival, uh, attendance ever. So, you know, maybe, maybe we saw them as a really good opportunity to, to bring in fans. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Rich was just thrilled at this whole entire summer. <laughs> <laughs> I think in general, when you read some of the, like, the band came out to jam, Rich never comes out to jam. That's true. You know? So if you read those those further on the road notes with Mike and Becky, usually it includes, you know, Steve, Johnny and Mark or, you know, Mark and, and Chris or, but it never says, never says Rich.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. I thought that those, you know, all star jam portions of the show
3: were kind of the very exciting thing that happened and a lot of great. Stuff came out of that. But, you know, that's interesting. I mean, it, because Rich sits in with a lot of other bands. That had to have
2: been on purpose. Well, he's on record saying he hates the dead. <laughs> he hated that direction. I mean, we've talked to Johnny Colt about his disdain for this kind of stuff, you know, and the direction. So, I don't know. I think maybe a lot of the band weren't into the whole vibe of it either. You
0: know? For a band that was kind of not unified in their enjoyment of this tour seemingly and a band that uh, you know for by all accounts was kind of splintering they do turn in you know across the board they turn in some really great sets
2: oh yeah i mean the band the band is firing on some of these uh the somerset wisconsin paint nate and dreams and there's a video out there now i think the woman of the free just put it out it's been around for a little while but they have a cleaned up version it's great Although these guys all look like they they're about to go into rehab. They look terrible. Yeah, you they're know?
0: a little road weary. <laughs> oh
2: my god. Terrible. Terrible. But um, yeah, some of these sets are, are really pretty good, but they're they're eclectic and all over the place and they clearly don't give a shit about winning new fans or more more probably more aptly they see the idea of, you know, the dead template of being able to play whatever you want and they very clearly do that the sets are super diverse you know and they they a lot of them have a very weird flow to them
3: very you got to wonder almost are they calling things on the fly
2: you know i don't know i mean the one i saw at great woods opened with uh wiser into ballad and then it's like you know spider in the sugar bowl blues another road which by the way these were all new at the time another roadside tragedy and uh, they played crow black chicken it's like are you trying to make sure people don't come back you know <laughs> i'm not saying i didn't love it because i loved it but that's not the point you know i think at this point they just were like we'll play whatever we want and who gives a shit what people think you which know? is is
0: admirable in a way but you know uh, by the same token it, it does kind of alienate you you know but I, it occurs to me that a lot of the shows on this further tour on paper look like they'd be a mess but when you listen to them even though they they don't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily think they flow together properly they do it's it's this weird chaotic cohesion that they have you know
2: uh, it's a very frenetic weird out there tour but this particular show this this Clarkston show knob, this is the only show I can think of that's like besides the last show of the tour that's like rock and roll we're coming you know <laughs> Seriously, I mean, the Cursed Diamond start is, is, is I know, not a big, huge rock song, but I mean, I think that's a, a tremendous opener. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I've seen them open with it a couple of times. I feel it's, it's like a precursor to a dark, I'm going to punch you in the face type of evening, you know.
1: I lose my sin I forget myself Sometimes I fall myself Yes, and I might fight myself But then I I miss Good man's I freeze myself I rate on myself Okay, so I stone myself And I might even find myself But then again What happens If I do So unzip my pride Yeah, baby, open me of a wide now so i can show this to you i want a shot for you babe i want a sparkle too i tell you just
2: That's a tune you open with and you mean it. It's not a frivolous song in any way, shape, or, so, or form. It's a song that has vibe and meaning, and uh, there's intent with it for the kind of night you're going to have. What do you think of
0: this particular version on this night?
2: I think it's really pretty uh, pretty excellent. And, you know, there's, a, there's definitely an excitement in the crowd, and people are cheering during this. Yeah, I think the version's really, really good. I think Steve Gorman in this song is just this whole night is really usually I, I, I'm i fond of saying like, you know, and, you know, Mark Ford is a bad motherfucker. And it's all about Ford, 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 Ford. Steve Gorman is all over this night. There's just roll after roll after after huge rhythm after, you know, he's he's great. I think the rhythm section is killing. In this, I thought this Johnny movie.
3: sounded really good, especially on um, "Cursed Diamond." He's really high in the mix. Yeah, you can really hear his playing on that,
2: especially on the parts that are kind of sparse. Mm-hmm. Where he comes in, he really, uh, yeah, he's he's got that that um, that undertone that's beautiful, and I think he's using the, his hammer at that point. Uh, that kind of black bass that he's got. He used that a lot on that tour. Uh, I know he used the Fender Jazz Bass too uh, during that tour, but those were kind of his two main basses that he was using. Um, I think he sounds great on it. I also think Chris, for as much shit as we give him for scatting, or he doesn't really scat in the terms of like, boo like Dave Lee Roth scat, you know, but just, you know, coming in wherever he wants. Uh, he doesn't, he's pretty much on the money here, uh, and, you know, sticks to the, to the program of, of the way these songs were recorded throughout, I think, you know, that's, that's kind of what I got out of it. He's not, he's not taking a lot of liberties here. His voice is super strong too. I think, you know, the three, for me anyways, the Three Snakes tour and, and, uh, the further tours, the strongest his voice has ever been. Do you think the fact that the sets were a lot shorter and there was so much jamming going on help preserve his voice I don't think it hurt I really don't think it hurt I mean what are they on tour so they go on tour the hooked or bike crook starts in what June of 96 or July of 96 and they uh and they tour straight into March of 97 right in Europe it's like December and then they start again January into March of 97. Then they have, what, the three months off, and then they do, what, six weeks of, of further, and then they break up, right? And then it, <laughs> then they come back, and it's, you know, Mr. Pimp and all that shit, and, you know, not that we need to rehash that, but, you know, heartbreaking, <laughs> heart, heartbreaking uh, decision-making around that time. Um, but I do feel like his voice then was super strong. I'm not sure what he was doing to take care of it, but... On all the all the tapes, really, su- kind of support that. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I, I would say that this
0: is probably the strongest I've heard his voice,
2: and I really think, like on songs like
0: "Cursed Diamond," where he's got to be a powerhouse on him, he really holds his own throughout. You know, I've I've rarely seen him so powerful.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, ninety six ninety seven is like the zenith for him. The quality of his voice, the deepness, the richness, the tone. His his vibrato, everything that you want out of a singer, he really was killing then, you know. And it comes across, and especially in this version of uh, Curse Diamond, it's really, really good and powerful. And it's a powerful song, really.
0: Absolutely. And then they kind of go into two songs back to back that are bookended by jams, and it's it's really, really kind of a cool section of the show. But we'll, they start with the Hollow Day jam, which. I think really uh, is something pretty magical on this night.
2: I listen to the holiday jam and I mean they start that jam in what 92 you know I, I always feel like that that was going to turn into bring on bring on but then it's really kind of not and it's something different but it's around that kind of um that kind of tonal area like I I, I keep thinking I hear different songs in it and then I can't quite place them and uh yeah generally it generally makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> uh, but I do, I, do, uh, I do really like that jam, especially here. Um, they do a nice job with it, and it's, uh, it's not deconstructionist, and it's moving forward, and it's got a very uh, blue sky kind of feel to it, you know? Um, yeah, it's really good, and then they move into that My Morning song, and uh, good lord, good lord, you know, I don't know what you thought of it, but for me, This is a top 10 all time My Morning Song.
3: Yes, and on this recording of My Morning Song, Eddie Harsh gets to shine a little bit. (laughs) You know, Steve, ever since you've talked about how Mark comes out of um, that kind of jam section into the sunrise section and hold the sustained note, I judge every morning song now by that. Uh,
2: And it's great here. Nothing
3: nothing was better when I asked him on the thing, how do you get that? He goes, "Uh,
2: volume? Stomp on the volume pedal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, tone comes from the fingers and you know, you could give Mark Ford the shittiest guitar known to man, and it'd still sound awesome. But that particular note, that that big note back in here, floats around so beautifully for about thirty seconds, and then winds into he plays a little little descending phrase off it, and uh, oh god, it's good. And even even the. Uh, the middle jam is isn't uh, gratuitous and it's it's got movement and you can hear the crowd and and the build and yeah it's a really really excellent version of my morning song you know yeah the solos the solos tremendous too I think Johnny's playing a phrase underneath it uh, at I, I think I noted it was like the the three fifty mark that's just wonderful underneath with Steve. And Steve hits so many rolls around the 550 mark in this. He just starts these crazy rolls that happen uh, for about 30 seconds. They're just delicious. I mean, he's good Lord. Steve Gorman is all over this thing. I just feel like they're, they're really, they like playing Detroit. It's pretty simple.
0: It is. It's pretty obvious that they, uh, they, put, they give their all to this town. But uh, I, I mean, honestly, though, have you ever met a morning song you didn't like? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The morning songs where they didn't uh, play the middle part and played some other bullshit song. Uh, what, was, what was the Stare, thing? Stare it cold was what they did yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, Stare cold in the middle of it. Like, yeah, blah, yeah. <laughs> F, F fucking minus, you know? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Teach your guitarist how to play that song, you know? I, I mean, there's some morning songs that you know. It's like pizza, right? You live in New York, Ian. Yeah? What's better I than do. New York pizza, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like some stand out more than others, and I agree, Dave. I do. I do judge a lot of them by that, that uh, that note coming back in. But a whole bunch from the, the jam at the end means something to me. I want to hear the crowd. I want to hear the build. I want to hear how much Chris is into it. I want to hear the gospelly notes behind it. I, I want to hear the dynamics involved in in the song rhythmically and tonally. And I want to feel the vibe of it. That's like, like for me, that's, that's like really going to church. And sometimes you really feel like the presence of God or, you know, whatever, spiritual um, connection to what's going on in there. And sometimes you don't. You know, this is one time where. Or, you know, one of the top ten times that you really, in my opinion, you really do. They're killing on this. Killing. And the crowd loves it, obviously. Huge cheer after.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did get a, a, a very sizable reaction. And then it leads into probably, to be honest, one of my top all-time jams that they do. Not this particular one, just the the jam in general, the Black Moon Jam. Going into Black Moon Creeping. I
2: love that jam. Well, I think I've made the point on this podcast. There are multiple Black Moon jams, but the ones from 96, 97 trump all the other ones. If you yeah. hear that, it's on. Yeah. If they have a little wah pedal going on and that's happening, it's on. I asked Rich about this. In particular, he sang it to him. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I All I said was, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, and he gave me that face, so we stopped talking about it real quick um, when I when I bought the guitar from him. But uh, I do, I love this version. I love this this particular version of um, the Black Moon jam that they do. This is particularly good in, uh, we had, I think we've done Syracuse 96 in the past, and they put it before my morning song. I think it's good in both spots. Here, particularly uh, as they finish and they launch into um black moon creeping there's a huge audible like huge clap out of the audience for black moon creeping which you wouldn't expect either you know right and it's just like these are people that are ready for a rock show on a saturday night it just feels that way doesn't it yeah absolutely (laughs)
0: Thing odd to me on this one was the black moon creeping seems tempo wise a little a little fast you know a little faster than they normally do it
2: yeah they're in it yeah i mean yeah because that's like a should be a very slow you know bow 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 slow swampy tune
0: yeah
2: um but they're hitting it definitely you know the gospel part at the end you know, it's so good. And Johnny during that breakdown right before that, um, where he comes off that G and It's so great. Yeah, I really feel like this is a, a really good version of, of the Black Moon creeping and maybe it's you know, I don't know, sometimes tempo gets away from you, or sometimes it doesn't. They just seem like in an up mood, although is it right before that where he talks about Eddie being hot in the jerseys, he's wearing the Konstantinov uh hockey yeah. jersey? Yeah, And he's like, you can meet him down in the cast corner when we're not on tour. Uh, cast corner is not the best place to be in, uh, in Detroit, you know, yeah. Eddie. Right. And yet it's that's where
0: they said yeah, you could find him a lot. So, you know, it's shocking.
3: shocking.
2: <laughs> I don't know if you felt the same way about it, David, but I think he's all over that tune, too. You know, it's almost like, like
3: they knew they were in his hometown. Let's let him
2: shine. And that's what it sounds like on the tape, but they're all excited to be there, and especially some of these songs. He's way up in my morning song. His, his keys at the end of uh, Curse Diamond are amazing. The, the, the gospel organ he's playing during Black Moon Creeping is really killing at the end of this. Like, he's all over this tape. This isn't a, a just like, oh, my God, it's Mark Ford kind of night. It's just not, you know, Eddie, Eddie Steve johnny they're really in my head from my years they were really on fire this night
0: i would agree but i I would also i i think universally the entire band
2: kind of stepped it up for this one agreed like when when's mark bad
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh but then they they jump into they go into the hits almost you know they jump into jealous again next which i thought was an interesting segue from black moon creeping and yet it works somehow
2: Tempo on on Jealous Again on this version is super slow. Mm. It's it's really not not it's slow, uh, painfully slow, but still grooving. I mean, if you think about the Black Crowes in nineteen ninety one, if you saw them in you know ninety or ninety one, they played it a thousand miles an hour, and then they came out in ninety two and like drew everything back and let it swing. And, like, this version of, of Jealous Again is, like, way, way, way back, tempo-wise. It's good. It's really good. I don't know about you guys. I could hear Jealous Again every single time and always be happy.
3: I love it. I, I love the outro on that. It makes me so happy.
2: Exactly.
0: No, it's a fantastic tune. I, I, and I, I agree. I think they really found the groove of this song in later years, you know, starting a, kind of a little bit before this. But I think, like, 95, 96, you know, is when this song kind of really hit the pocket, so to speak, in my opinion, anyway.
2: Right. When Chris uh, traded uh, cocaine for sugar in that one, Eric, the minute that happened. (laughs) And you'd figure if it was cocaine, they'd speed up the tempo a little. But Yeah. um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the 95, 96, 97 versions are like really, really excellent, you know. But I don't know if Rich was doing it on purpose. He sets the tempo in the song, you know. Who knows? Who knows? But it's kind of a slower version. But yeah, to Dave's point, the the outro in this is just wonderful.
0: Yeah, they're they're killing on it. And then I got very excited reviewing the set list for this even before I listened to it because I saw one of David's favorite tunes, one of David's favorite cover tunes, in the running order, and that's the cover of Rolling Stones' "Torn and (laughs) Frayed."
1: Everybody was reckless. song
3: never go wrong with this it's my it's my favorite cover they do this no sweet nothing yeah I just that that opening chord progression that rich plays is just it's so soothing to me <laughs> you know and uh this this is a good version of it and this got busted out a lot around this time it was played a lot during on these festival shows which uh is not a bad thing but uh yeah this is the song that made me fall in love with exile on Main Street
2: on stage the band has got problems.
3: Right? <laughs> How appropriate.
2: Uh yeah, I don't I don't think they're playing it by accident, you know. Um I agree with you. This is like top ten cover for me. I don't know, maybe six. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'd put ahead of it. Maybe big time. Maybe. I think Willen is probably my favorite. You know, it's hard to get away from Willen as a cover. But I, I think Torn and Frayed is just, um, you're never gonna go wrong. The dead set, you know, the the dead crowd should love this tune. But I think it it works more in Detroit than anywhere else. I mean, I saw them do Happy at Great Woods and it didn't go over that well. And I was thinking like, really? Happy, for God's sake, no? Um, I do think that this is one of those songs that that sets you apart. I know it's a three-chord song, but it's like the hardest three-chord song of all time because they switch constantly in it. It's hard to remember where you are in that tune. <laughs> uh, I've played it a couple of times. It's the first song
3: it, I ever learned how to play all the way through.
2: Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, it's, it's quite a song, and I really think they do it justice. The harmonies are beautiful in it. I mean, you know, Rich is a pretty good harmony singer, all things considered. You know, I think... You know, the Mick Keith template is like the template to follow with this, right? Keith is an unbelievably good and underrated harmony singer. You watch like Texas 72 or something, and it's like, Jesus, listen to that. And it's mm. so good, you know. And I think Rich, for a whole bunch of years, hit that high harmony over Chris really well. This is one of those songs where it really comes across... And you don't notice it if you're not listening for it, but you know, he's really good in it. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a tune that's indicative where the band was at at the time. I mean, what do they, have? what's this the 13th? So they've got three weeks left. Yeah. I remember mid October was when, uh, I saw the message, you know, Mark Ford out. So they don't have much time left at this point. Yeah. I think torn and frayed is an appropriate choice but yeah i uh, i always I, much like you guys i always welcome the idea of torn and frayed i mean it's one of those songs that if they play it it feels like a complete night
0: i would yeah. i would agree the, actually the next spot in the set list is the only part of the of the running order that uh, that I kind of fall off a little bit and it's, it's it has nothing to do with you know being a too cool for the room uh black curves guy and not liking the big big hit i just Hearing she talks to angels pop up here, just it's the only time it actually does seem disjointed to me. And it's it's played on an electric, which kind of uh, throws off the vibe for me a little bit too. I, what's what's your take on them doing that that tune here?
2: That gets a huge cheer, mm. and I just feel like I think they're trying to do the crowd a favor, I guess. You know, by throwing people a bone like we're going to play some pl- a bunch of popular songs.
1: the word addiction in certain company and well she'll tell you she is an orphan after you meet
2: No, I, don't, I don't mind angels, I really don't I love playing it, it's fun I, again, you know If I was there, I'd be like Okay, anything but hard to handle Or angels And here it is, okay You know <laughs> So you, we all have that list in our heads Right? Is there a no play for you? Thick and thin Thick and thin, huh? Yeah Interesting I'm
0: trying to think if I have one I think my no play is she talks to angels to be honest with you and hard to handle. The two my big no hits, plays, I know.
2: I'm going to say my, my no play is anything off by your side. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh,
0: you're <laughs> a little bit. you're not.
2: A little bit.
3: You're not making Steve from across the pond happy. <laughs>
2: That's okay.
3: I, you Steves are supposed to stick together. <laughs>
2: well, he's he's second place Steve. Anyway. <laughs> he's fine. I don't think he's far off. There's a lot of good songs on that record. But uh, I think the version of Angels is good. I do like the idea that they have some extra time. And then what do they do? They throw in a drug song. Nebuchadnezzar has been my uh, it's Instagram uh, name and it's been my email address for almost, what, 26 years. Uh, I love Nebuchadnezzar. Big fan. You know, when I, I heard it the first time on Hooked by Crooked, I was like, what is that? And had I couldn't wait for the record to come out. I think it's a very Beatles-esque kind of song. I think it's one of the few songs that they do that's better on the record than live. I think it's really good on the record. And it's good live, but it just they can't seem to capture that thing that happened on that record. But it's an odd show closer. It is. It is an odd show closer.
3: What would you have done? Considering how they were mixing stuff up, I would have gone out with something like title song or feathers. I mean, those feathers around that time were just sick. Feathers does kind of
0: just fade out into the into the abyss at the end it, it would be kind of a cool closer i'm with you on that one david
2: yeah but if you're thinking about this particular show and where they've taken you you know they started off with the kind of hazy druggy uh, cursed diamond i'll and make you
3: happy to go along with the rock motif tied up and swallowed
2: mm. i do love tied up and swallowed but yeah i, I think that that fits more of what they're doing at that time i would have preferred like a gone or something like that you know now an interesting note in crow's base i
0: noticed was that pain and eight was cut from the set so maybe that would have been
3: oh man. The ultimate closer i would think you got to wonder if the jams just went too long
2: yeah i think um maybe not do the black moon jam i don't know it's so good Didn't I just tell you I love the Black Moon Jam? (laughs) I love the Black Moon Jam too. I don't know. Yeah, maybe play Paint Nate and not Nebuchadnezzar. Didn't it say Nebuchadnezzar added to set? Paint Nate cut from set? I think that's what it says. Maybe I could be wrong on that. Yes, you're correct.
0: So Uh, they swap
2: one for the other. Interesting. They don't seem like likely candidates to be swapped. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know why they do that. I do. God damn, do I love Paint Nate. It was a great tune so hard to play too that's that's a tricky one you know especially
0: at this time because it was it was an unheard new song I mean that had to be exciting to get that that or another roadside tragedy or something from the aborted band sessions you know uh, in there so right. as far as the the whole further festival goes is this is this like the top show from the tour for you or
2: for me this is the top show of, of all of them I think the Somerset show is close. I think the one from Queens has really good moments and uh, I think it's tough to touch that, that wiser ballad from great woods. And, you know, Portland has a really, really good sunflower opener on uh, the 31st of July. I I like that show a lot too, but this is for me, this is probably my favorite out of all of them. That morning song is just so, so delish. It's hard not to, to go with that song and that, that, that particular show how about you guys do you feel like uh this is the top show of this tour or
0: see it's hard for me to say but going back to a lot of them like this one i somehow kind of glossed over when i was originally listening to all these shows and you kind of bringing it back to my attention it, it does rank very high for me now i really really enjoyed listening to this and i i, I so much so that i listened to it many times in, in quick succession because i was i was just taken in by all the things happening so i mean it, it's a great pick steve well, Steve, it's been a tremendous treat having you back doing this, and I look forward to doing many, many more coming up. You're going to be standing on your own two feet, no longer part of an episode. You're going to be a freestanding Steve's Pick entity. Dan,
2: yeah, and that's going to be great. Yes, next time we'll have to look at a, a, a Luther era show because I think we focused a great deal on the, the Mark Ford era. Not that I am I, not always ready to talk about the Mark Ford era, but there there are some other you know some other good ones and paul stacy's era i think it's criminally underrated he was really really a good player well you know i'll listen to anybody who wants to dm me and say do this or look at this or have you thought about this i'm always ready to listen to what people have to say about it i'm just one opinion like anybody else all right steve well david and i both appreciate you coming on and
0: we look forward to the next one and until next time stay tall everybody All right, everybody, welcome back to a special edition of the State of America podcast. I'm very pleased to have with us Mr. Seth Miller, who you all certainly know by this point. And the other is Mr. Tom Appleman. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Very well, very well. How are you doing, sir?
4: Great,
0: excellent. Seth, how Thanks about
4: for... you? Oh, always always happy to be a guest on the State of America podcast, Ian.
0: I know you are. I know you are. And I'm we're always pleased to have you, and especially pleased to have you because we are discussing a new venture that you are involved in. You were, of course, the leader of the Amoricans until very recently, and uh, that was the best Black Crowes tribute band that there ever was, in my opinion. And now you're doing the Brothers from Another Mother of a Feather, another acoustic project that I am very excited about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, first of all, I dare to say Brothers from Another Mother of a Feather 10 times fast.
0: I know. I was surprised I got it out on the first go, to be honest with you.
4: a a. bit of a, It definitely looks cooler on paper, it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes. First of all, yes, and I have to make one small correction. I I don't. Uh, I, I would say I was the lead singer of the Americans, but I don't know that I was the leader of the Amoricans. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably not an accurate description.
0: Seth, I'm, I'm not going to have you putting yourself down on this podcast, okay? Uh, not- right, fair, enough.
4: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it, uh, and I'm especially excited to have Tom and uh, and unfortunately our, our our the third partner in crime, uh, Trent Johnson. Uh, who's going to be doing uh, an absolutely bang up job as the Rich Robinson of this thing? Uh, couldn't make it today, but uh, yeah, really excited. Um, you know, Tom and I um, we play together and we're, we're doing a little bit of writing together. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll let Tom talk about some of his experience. Uh, but you know, Tom's just like he's kind of like the one man band gluing this thing together.
0: So well, let me ask you this, Seth, because I, you know I've heard some of the clips you've sent me ahead of time and some of the things you've been working on. Do you intend to be a little bit more? hit heavy with this or are you going to go deep like you did with the Amorgans?
4: so uh i think it'll be balanced like the Amorgans. um i think we understand the nature of the audience at this kind of gig um you know it, I, I don't think we could do, we I don't think we could do any gig and not play you know jealous again remedy talks to angels you know right. some of you know those kinds of things twice as hard but you know the the great thing about being in a black rose tribute thing uh especially if you're playing for more than an hour which we will be we'll be playing like a full 2 hour set um is that you know the hits such as they are really only take up about 45 minutes of the set so the rest is kind of wide open and that's you know i don't you can't say that about too many other tribute things and tom you know lots about that because you're one of the things you're involved in right you guys uh, oh yeah
5: (laughs) yeah well i mean dark desert eagles is a eagles tribute band that tours the country and we we have to take songs away there's just so many hits with the eagles we're doing a two-hour set and it's We got to, we got to taking things away. And plus a lot of this Eagle stuff is slow and kind of, I don't know, yawny after a while. (laughs) So we try to bring in the Joe wall stuff and to to rock out some more and have a more hard rock experience. So, but yeah, that is tough to figure out the set list and figure out the flow and to figure out, you know, how you're going to pace the set and things like that. And we took a lot of time doctoring that and figuring that out in that band and we have a great product. We've been playing the same set for the last three years, but it wins every time. Everyone's on their feet at the end, and everyone's loving it. So it's I, great.
4: I can attest to that. I was at a Dark Diders, the Eagles show uh, last Saturday, and it was fantastic. Um, you know, it was great. Yeah, and they definitely do. It's, I love that they play the Joe Walsh stuff, and you know, I thought those shoes was. I, I don't know if I caught that last time, Tom. That was so good. Yeah, One of my favorite Eagles tunes. Yeah, yeah, complete with the talk box and 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 the guitar. Is it Chris? Is that the guitar player's name?
5: Yeah. It's cool too. On that one, uh Pat was telling me he like he heard like a little keyboard line in the back. He says, Tom, why don't you play that on the upper register of the bass? And so it like turned it into like this really intricate bass lines for me to play. It's wicked fun now. It's like instead of just going doo 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 doo, I'm going do 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 do. You know what I mean? Like these weird little accents on the high register. So I look forward to that one. That's definitely one of my favorites.
4: It's really funky. It's really good. And Pat should, I guess just, you know, we might as well name drop uh right? Yeah, Pat
5: Badger. Pat Badger from Extreme, the band Extreme. He's the Oh, right?
4: He's the front man.
5: So he usually plays bass in, in Extreme, but he's the uh guitarist singer for he plays the role of Glenn Spry, which is Glenn Fry. Oh,
0: that's fantastic, man.
5: And uh you know, and also Kevin Figueroa, the drummer for Extreme, plays with us as well. From Very cool. Very like cool. Like half, half of Extreme is is with us. And, you know, with that said, you know, we get, we get a lot of groupies to the show, (laughs) like a lot of extreme fans. I was actually at my first extreme show after all these years, I went to see extreme last Friday and, uh, I knew so many people in the audience it was really cool. I was like running into people and running into little gr- girls and uh yeah my uh, my girlfriend wasn't that happy. But... <laughs> <laughs> but
4: <some> aren't, point. <laughs> aren't you Randy Budweiser? Yeah, I
5: know. I didn't have my wig on so yeah. Little...
0: Let me tell you man, Gary Sharone, very underrated vocalist. So Oh, uh,
1: absolutely.
5: Yeah. Gary sounds I honestly think Chris Cornell stole from Gary Cherone. I was listening to him the other day. I felt like, man, Chris Cornell. I think may have stolen something from Gary Cherone. I don't know. We're gonna a have similar to hammer, you know. We're gonna know, have, just, we're gonna
0: have to put you in with Mr. David Hudson, who is known as Hot Take Hudson for the for those who don't know. <laughs> no, but uh, I, no, I agree. A very similar, you know, cadence and and delivery. I, I I never would have thought of that, but now that you mention it, yeah, I could see that so tom yeah. let me ask you because you know i know everything there is to know about seth because he'll freely tell me anytime <laughs> but uh you know and uh, our listeners he has quickly become a favorite guest but let me tell me a little bit more about your background and how you met up with seth and, and got this whole thing going
5: well i mean i met seth i think through a, through joy like you seth was coming, was coming to some of my tribute shows i do some tribute shows at um at mm. berkeley college of music I, I did a stevie wonder tribute
4: that's the first I, time i saw you yeah. Great job, Tom. So good. That was a fun time. And
5: then, and I think yeah. we, then we did another club show and then you came down then for your birthday, I think it was your birthday it or something. It was my
4: birthday, exactly. We started
5: meeting up then. And then I started doing this every Wednesday in Boston. We do this, uh, this, the band's called Great Blue Whale and we play every Wednesday, like, just like blues, old school soul, seventies stuff. And, uh, Seth has been coming down to sing with us. And so, you know, we got to know each other through that. And then, you know, during the pandemic you know, we were kind of bored. So I was, I'd be throwing out tracks to friends and I'm like, you want to collaborate on some stuff? You want to write some stuff? Here's, here's a keyboard track and a bass track and make some lyrics, make some melodies, you know? And and so Seth went to, went to town on it. He went, he did a phenomenal job and I couldn't believe the product that came out of it. I was really excited. So ever since then, we've been kind of in touch and writing and getting together on a, on a routine basis and Really fun stuff, and I for me as a songwriter, I've been sing, singing and songwriting for the last 12, ten to twelve years, and you know, doing it myself is fun. You know, I can I'm a multi instrumentalist, I can do it all, but you know, bouncing ideas off someone else is just so much more gratifying, and there's way more depth to the songs and the, the music. So I'm I'm psyched about this new project for sure.
4: Me too the same sensibilities about it like you know totally willing to throw something out can take a note from each other you know it's all and and we have similar interests too we
5: love the chili peppers we love the black crows we love steely dan we love all the stevie wonder stuff it's like yeah, there's a lot of great influences that we all really connect on so
0: that's great and then of course there is a third member who unfortunately couldn't join us today that's mr trent johnson now i know trent i met him down at the morgan's gig in Atlanta seth yeah. and uh how did he how did he <laughs> yes and how did he come into the fall because he does some fantastic stuff on instagram under the moniker black crows guitar and uh you know putting up some stuff and uh you know how did you get him involved
4: yeah so so I'm sorry he couldn't join us today he had another commitment but um yeah so um i you know i'd followed uh, Trent's instagram account from way before you know that's how you know and i had no idea that he even lived in georgia uh, until um, we announced our shows last May or, or whatever it was that we announced it, that we were going to be down there. And uh, he's like, Oh, I'll definitely be there. <laughs> you know, I was, like, I was like, I hope you do. I hope you will be there. And then you should sit in with us. And he was like a little shy about it. Didn't, you know, wasn't quite sure. But um, yeah, so kind of, so no, we got very friendly uh, with Trent. We met him and, you know, he came to both of the shows and, um, and also like, um, re- like put up a t- tons of video from both those gigs on his Instagram account, which was very nice of him. I and mean, he was like super generous about it. And, uh, and then, you know, when my, uh, after my departure from Morgans this past March, you know, I was like, I, I, you know, I wasn't really in a huge hurry to like immediately, like 10 seconds later, do more Black Crow stuff, especially because Tom and I have really been working on this original stuff he was talking about a moment ago for like since the beginning of the year and, and even before that, but we like in earnest, we've been getting together regularly all year. Um, and so that's kind of really been where the focus is. But, um, but, you know, Trent put up he put, I want to say maybe like in the middle of June. Put up a new recording of him playing something, you know, something that I was like, oh, man, that sounds great. And I was like, you know, it had been long enough that I was like, ah, the kind of place we could play down there. I wonder if Trent's into this. Like, oh, just like – so I sent him a message. I was like, hey, give me a call when you get a chance. We played phone tag for, like, the better part of three weeks. Just, you know, we're both really busy. Just finally connected. And and I said, hey, man, if I could put it together and, you know, over at Rosati's – because, you know, when I – you know, when I talked to the – I had talked to the owner there who booked us and he basically told me that like if I ever wanted to come back there with any project to call him you know um, so uh, and I said you know if I could book us a gig at Rosati's and since he lives down that way it's like do you think you know you'd be uh, you want to like maybe do like a Brothers of a Feather kind of thing and he said I was really hoping that you were going to ask me that <laughs> 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 when I when you when I when I saw you call I was like alright cool man I was like let's like kick a set you know like let's just Make a list of songs that we that we think would work separately, and see what they look like, and and then it was like that's cool. So then I don't know. Then we're into sort of like July, and um and uh and then he sent me a couple of tracks. He just sat down one take with the microphone on with his guitar, and he sent me. I think it was Jealous and Nonfiction, or something like that. You know, it's definitely Nonfiction. Maybe Thorn. And uh, I was like, oh, man, this sounds good. Like, this really sounds good. I was like, all right, like let me let me call Matt Rosati's up and see what's up, you know? And so long story short, yeah, that's kind of how it came together. And then, um, and, you know, I just felt like we could have done it, just the two of us, but I just, you know, I know, you know, Tom, you know, Tom and I, you know, Tom used to always joke around, you know, like when he was like introduce me to people that I hadn't met, he'd be like, oh, it's just in this band that I wish I was in, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wonder, you know, see if this works, you know, talk to Tom and he's like, yeah, I would totally be into it. If, you know, we just find a cat, I mean, Tom, Tom gigs a lot. You know, it's like, let's see if we can find a place on the calendar that makes sense. And it just all happened to fall together. And um, I just feel like with Tom's vocals and especially he can play keys and bass and guitar. And just, you know, it's like, like I said, he's like a one man band. Just, you know, our ability to kind of play, you know, a good chunk of stuff from the catalog um, by somebody else who's also a fan. Yeah. So that's kind of how it came together. And um, and now, yeah, we're just, uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we got our set list pretty well nailed down for this uh, this gig coming up.
0: I'd be honest with you when I, when you when you left the Americans I had the thought in my head of saying you know I really wish Seth would continue on doing this cuz it's a shame you wouldn't be singing those songs as regularly and this is kind of I thought of the same thing myself so I'm really excited to see uh, see you putting something like this together I think it's going to be a real treat for anybody that gets to see it. So uh what do you think people should know about this uh, this new venture that you're doing?
4: I brought uh Brothers of Another Brothers from another – I can't even say it. If the Brothers guy in the mother, band can't say the name, <laughs> I know. I'm <laughs> still, I'm still getting some, I'm still getting the. I need some more reps. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's brand new. It couldn't be more new than it is. Yeah, Brothers from Another Mother of a feather. Um, a lot of articles in there, but uh uh so no. I mean, it's going to be. You know, we're going to play. Sure, of course, we're going to play the hits, like I said. But we're going to. We're definitely going to. We're, we're going pretty deep. We'll play some um, some favorite album tracks, some unreleased stuff, some stuff that I, you know, I'm really excited. There's probably five or six songs that uh, weren't in the Americans repertoire when I left that I'm really looking forward to, to singing. Some things I, unfortunately, you know, we probably would have gotten eventually, but uh, didn't get to. And uh, we don't have too much in the way of the social media and stuff set up yet, but we do have an Instagram account, which uh, is, uh, so it's Instagram.com slash B-F-A-M-O-A-F. So, brothers from another mother of a feather. you're getting it you're getting it down moaf yeah Yeah, there you go (laughs) so uh yeah just got that started we'll be adding some more clips and stuff like that we got a few got a couple things up there i think we got a little bit of thorn angels jealous and um it'll come to mind i don't know but uh yeah (laughs) i thought we did a wiser time that's right 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 that's right yes thank you yeah tom sounds great That is so much
5: fun to play on piano oh man i love Uh, that oh that must have been great
4: You sound awesome singing it too, Tom. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Tom and I, we we like singing together.
1: We do it
0: a lot. I really want to encourage everybody to check this out and please follow them on Instagram. And and then as they get more social media platforms up and running, please do follow them there. And uh, we will certainly keep people abreast of any and all performances that you'll be doing. I was wondering if I might take the liberty. We didn't discuss this beforehand, but I was hoping maybe we could play a clip at the end of the episode here of something you've been working on.
4: Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been uh, since we don't uh, live in the same town, we've been doing recording as kind of like a virtual rehearsal thing. And so we've got plenty. Um, yeah, we'll uh, maybe we'll try and give you a little like a little medley of uh, of a bunch of things or something like that or whatever you like. Yeah. Well,
0: really I definitely, place. definitely appreciate you guys coming on to uh, talk about this a little bit. And we will certainly have you back on after the first gig there. Do a little recap. See what's happening. See how it went.
4: I oh, really appreciate you having us. Thank
0: you. All right. And uh, we will see everybody next time. And here's a little medley from the brothers from another mother of a feather project.
3: Could you forget the playout song oh shit i forgot
0: all right i'm just it's my first i haven't been doing these that long you know what i mean i had not
3: like i've done 75 episodes and like you know a whole you, you know, probably have a classic wax you just haven't released them
0: motherfucker all right uh, let's try. <laughs> if you had to pick one song from the set list for this evening the show we just discussed which one would you pick to play us out my friend
2: Give me my morning song.
0: I knew it. I don't even know why I asked. All right, so we're going to play out with the morning song from the 71397 show, and we'll see you next time. Stay tall, everybody.
1: Thank you.